Welcome to God's Playbook with your host, Father Rico Passero. Let's play ball. Friends, welcome back to God's Playbook. Today we are going to study the last part of chapter 2 in St. John's Gospel. Great start to our week. It's the cleansing of the temple. And I think this is a passage that so many people misunderstand. Oh, well, Jesus got angry in the scripture, so I can get angry too. Uh, that's not that's not what this is about, friends. So let's read the passage and actually study the passage. So this is John chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers that were seated there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of scripture, Zeal for your house will consume me. At this the Jews answered and said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for forty-six years, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. While he was in Jerusalem for the feast of Passover, many began to believe in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all and did not need anyone to testify about human nature. He himself understood it well. So the cleansing of the temple. Did Jesus have a meltdown? Is Jesus having a bad day where he just loses his cool and just freaks out on everybody? No. First and foremost, where's the setting of the passage? This is the Lord's house. The Lord's house is first and foremost to be kept to the utmost respect. We are in the presence of God. What are the people doing? Business. How many times do you walk into church and see people talking, exchanging money, doing things, when the first thing we should be doing is praying, worshiping God? We are in the presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. The church is not a community center. The church is not the coffee house. The church is not our living room. The church is not anything other than the place where we worship God first and foremost. That is why we built foyers. That's why we have outdoor parking lots. That's why we have side rooms. That's where that stuff should take place. At the time of Jesus, the temple or the house of God was the center of the community. And it should be the center of our communities too. And yes, everybody comes to the church. And that's important that everybody feel welcome and accepted. Yes. But 
the primary purpose is not to conduct business. The primary business is to worship God. And so because this wasn't being done, imagine if somebody came in your house, ate your food, drank your drinks, enjoyed your heating and air conditioning, is on your Wi-Fi, watching your cable, sleeping in your bed, and ignoring you, and actually making a mockery of your own house, maybe changing your decorations, etc., etc. Who lives here? You or them? This might get your blood pressure up too. And by the way, we're not God. So how much greater it is that God humbles himself to be in our presence, and yet instead of thanking him, we're basically throwing it in his face. So Jesus' response is actually very appropriate. And if Jesus doesn't respond in such a way, since it's his house, well, who actually could respond? People don't like sometimes when priests remind us to be quiet at Mass. But isn't it the priest's job to remind us that this is sacred space? Now, perhaps Father can do it in a more pastoral way, or maybe he was very pastoral, and I'm just unwilling to realize that my talking is inappropriate, or the fact that I'm more interested in the parish dinner than I am about the woman praying the rosary beside me. This wake-up call of Jesus, friends, is not an opportunity for us to say, well, Jesus got angry, so I can get angry too. That, that's not what this is. This is about respect for his house. And I know we can all do a better job at making sure that we do our part personally in respecting God's house. As a priest, I know I can do a better job. As a listener, I'm suggesting that you can do a better job, friends, too. Now, that doesn't mean to go around like the church police yelling and screaming at people, shh, be quiet, I'm trying to pray. Or, you know, if this continues, Father, and you allow this church to be a marketplace, I'm going to the neighboring parish. Those are responses, but I don't know how effective they're going to be. Gentle reminders that the Lord's house should always be respected. That's what we need to do. But sometimes, drastic times suggest drastic measures. And this drastic measure of Jesus shows again that he had the authority to do so and that how much longer was God going to be patient? Because he had told the people over and over and over again, my house shall be a house of prayer. And yet the people at that time, and let's face it, us too, we still forget. And so sometimes God needs to make drastic changes to our mentality and our thinking so we think less like us and more like him. As Jesus goes on in the passage to talk about the rising of his body, they thought about the temple building itself. 46 years took to build this temple, and you're going to do it in three days. Jesus is saying, I am God. I am the temple. The people were ignorant or refused to listen. We should not be that hard-headed. 
indeed, Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has shown us that he is who he says he is. We know the end of the story. Please, God, we believe that by his death and resurrection we are changed. And one way we show that is our respect for his house. And that through our reverence in his house, we show our love for God and we show an example to those around us. And maybe the talking will stop. And maybe the parish business, which is important, will be kept in the places where it should be being done. Foyers, parking lots, side rooms. Not in pews, not on the sanctuary, and not in the sacristy. May our primary focus at Mass be that, love and worship of our God. So how do we deal with this whole anger piece? Friends, we are not comparing things in the appropriate way. Jesus was like us in all things. Did he get angry and frustrated? Yes. But he never let anger and frustration turn to sinful activity. So God had the authority here to do what he did. When parents get upset at their children and they do something drastic, it's not a sin, friends. It's called disciplining your children. If a parent is always, well, Joey, we know that you took the kitchen knife and tried to stab your sister. Could you please just not do that again? Joey doesn't understand that this is like terrible. One of the worst things. Can you imagine pulling out a knife on your little sister? He doesn't understand that a video game in real life is different. He needs his parent to like lose their cool to realize that their daughter could have been seriously injured here. And so could Joey. A parent sometimes needs to raise their voice. A teacher, somebody in authority, your pastor, whoever. Sometimes raising a voice just brings to light that this is a serious matter. That's not sinful. What's sinful is when I have my own ego and agenda so that my anger and frustration changes my behavior so I become less holy because I'm going to be angry at you for doing this or saying that. That's the difference. So let's not justify our anger saying, well, Jesus flipped over a table so I can flip over my tables in my life too. That's not what we're talking about here. This is comparing apples and oranges. So let's just make sure we understand the passage in its entirety. So we continue to praise God for who he is and that his house should always be respected, but that this passage is not just for the people of that time, but for us now too. Let's enter the church and dip our hands in the holy water. Let's genuflect to Jesus in the tabernacle. Let's perhaps wave to a fellow parishioner but not engage in conversation in the church itself. Let's reserve the building of community and the building of community places, and let's focus on why I'm where I am. Lord, you are amazing. I love you. I'm thankful. I need this. I appreciate that. That's what God's house is for. Let's make God's house what it is intended to be. A presence with God, a conversation with God, and the ability to gather as community to worship him. And let's make sure that when we get angry or when we lose our cool, 
that it's in legitimate situations as opposed to tying it to this passage and trying to justify how we think. Friends, today is a great day. Let's make it a good week. For God's Playbook, I'm Father Rico. God loves you, and so do I. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting us using any of our affiliate links in the description below via Buzzsprout, Ko-Fi, or GoFundMe. Thanks, and God bless.